All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ventures Podcast. I'm excited about today's episode with Joe DePinto. He is the co-founder of Haste Arcade, which is a Web3 arcade that uses all kinds of interesting mechanisms to incentivize and provide value for the gamers that are on their platform. So in this conversation, we go through a wide variety of things, his story, how he got into Web3, just the, the entrepreneurial journey of building a Web3 company, I think is just endlessly fascinating. So I'm really appreciative that we get to share this episode with you. So if you're listening, you can also watch by visiting wclittle.com and there I'll have more extensive show notes to the things that we talk about today. And if you're watching, you can also listen anywhere that you get your podcasts. You can just search for Ventures and it should show up. So with that, please enjoy this conversation with Joe DePinto. All right, Joe, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Well, I am always on the lookout for stories in Web3 of entrepreneurs that, that get into it and provide interesting applications. And so I couldn't be more excited to have you share your story with us. Would you mind just starting? Tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got into Web3. Yeah, so again, my name's uh, Joe DePinto. I'm from Los Angeles. I probably don't have the typical Web3 background. Uh, I was a baseball player before my entrepreneurial endeavor started, and I was in the minor leagues with the Chicago White Sox for about four years after college. So I went to USC, played baseball there, didn't pay a whole lot of attention in school, got drafted, played pro ball for a while, and then uh, one of my teammates in the minor leagues, me and him just kind of hit it off in terms of what is life after baseball like. We knew we didn't really want to work for somebody else and we didn't really want to stay in the game. We wanted to you know, go and pursue these other ideas that we would have just kind of staying up late at night after games talking about things. And the one that we kind of landed on, our careers both ended the same year. But in the minor leagues, you go out to bars and restaurants after the games. You know, you typically don't get done playing until 11 you got a curfew, you got to be back at the hotel, you know, 45 minutes to an hour after the game. Mm. So these little bars and restaurants and pubs are the only things that are open. And we kept running into the same problem. It's like, man, why is it so hard to get a drink when the bar's busy? And why do I have to wait five to 10 minutes when I'm, you know, closing out my check? I just want to go because those mm. 10 minutes, that could be the difference of, hey, you're getting fined for missing curfew or you're not playing tomorrow because you missed curfew. And it's like, you know, we're not doing anything bad. We're not staying out and partying. It's just like, literally there was, there was a gap there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was the time 2014, 2015, when people were building apps for everything. Neither of us had any technical background whatsoever, but we were like, yeah, let's, you know, can't be that hard. We'll be billionaires in a year and we'll have yachts and all that stuff. It'd be great. Right. right, right. So, <laughs> so anyways, um, we raised some money from our friends and family for a concept that we called bar pay, which, you know, at face value is in, in its original days, an app where you could order and pay for drinks right from your phone at a bar or a restaurant. And, you know, that, that got us introductions to, you know, starting a company, early stage funding, all this stuff, but how it ties into web three is that we had to learn a lot about credit card processing fees through mm -hmm. that experience. Cause we're taking digital payments. Mm -hmm. And this was, you know, around that same time, like Robinhood had just come out. Mm -hmm. And so you could start trading for free. And Dan and I were, you know, we didn't have any money in the minor leagues. You don't make a lot of money. So, you know, we were, making these like 10 cent trades on Robinhood, trying to make a quarter a day or whatever, thinking we were, you know, experts in the stock market. But, you know, we come across this Bitcoin thing uh, through some like investment articles or, or through some, you know, we saw it multiple places. Then also when you think about digital payments and the original promise of Bitcoin was the, the title of the white paper, peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash. So mm -hmm. number one, we could suddenly trade this thing 
24 seven. It wasn't, you know, like the stock market, it didn't stop. So that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. But then as we learn more about it, we start seeing like, you know, this thing's talking about merchant processing and, and processing payments for a fraction of a cent and having it arrive in your wallet instantly compared to what we had just learned through credit card processing, you know, standard digital payment, 2.9% and 30 cents of that transaction cost. And that's typically not showing up in my bank account for 24 to 48 hours. So I was like, whoa, this Bitcoin thing is really interesting. This could be something we could plug into bar pay uh, and, and possibly, you know, undercut the entire credit card industry. And, and so that was, like I said, around 2014, 2015, we didn't actually build that into the product, but it got us paying attention to what Bitcoin was. And at first, you know, we were looking at just like, oh, let's invest in it. You know, we can trade it daily and make a couple of pennies. But once we actually learn more about the technology, it's like, wow, this, this actually disrupts a lot of things at scale. So that was kind of what got us and what got me into, into the whole Web3 initiative. And that's just, you know, it played out through the next five or six years, right? Like you were saying, you know, around 2017 was when you first started investing, at least in, in mm -hmm. these different Web3 concepts. And to us, you know, we saw 2017, the, the bull market to the collapse. You know, I think, I don't know, do you remember anything called BitConnect? Were you ever... Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, I didn't get caught up in it. But oh, wow, that's quite a story. <laughs> Connect. Yeah. yeah. Um, pretty epic. We, we were we were involved in that, lost some money in that. Oh, wow. okay. all, the, all the different ICOs around that same time, you know, because we'd had Bitcoin from uh, and, and Ethereum even from a pretty early point. So we had some some money to spend yeah. on all these things and we just yeah. gave it all right back. Right. <laughs> they all collapsed. But again, you know, then you have, you know, BTC around that time also, it starts getting more expensive to trade and, and the, the, you know, the exchanges are taking longer and longer for the Bitcoin to actually move from one wallet to another, unless you're willing to pay a much higher fee. And it started to like get a, a little different than what we had originally thought the intended use case was this, you know, peer to peer cash, something that's fast and cheap. Now, all of a sudden you start hearing this narrative of digital gold and it's just something that you, you know, hold and you don't actually use. So we didn't really understand that in terms of like, where's the utility in that going to be? Why would people use that in a daily basis, you know, moving forward? And then BTC forked into Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Cash had, you know, the promise of utility, cheap payments again, fast transaction speed. So <laughs> again, in my in my investing knowledge, I was like, well, obviously that's the one people are going to going to want to have. So I changed all my BTC into BCH. <laughs> and so far didn't, you know, that didn't really pan out from a financial perspective, but you know, the tech still worked, at sure, least in some sure. capacity of what had originally attracted me to Bitcoin. And then, you know, within the BCH camp, you've got, you know, a handful of people who are saying, we don't want government, we don't want regulations, we want kind of like Anarchy Island. And then you had other people who say like, no, if this is, if this Web3, this blockchain is actually going to scale to a global level, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to play nicely with the governments, you're going to have to play with the regulators. So, you know, thinking like, well, if that's the one that gets global adoption and still, you know, BTC on the other side of the, the tracks here is still pumping, you know, going crazy. Right, right. I, I exchanged all my BCH into the fork that became Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, BSV. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, today is is what we ended up building what's called the Haste Arcade on. And mm -hmm. the entire reason that, that that even came about kind of to the point of, you know, what you want to talk about on the show is we found or, or we felt like BSV restored the original intent mm -hmm. and vision for, for the Bitcoin that we had originally discovered mm -hmm. and, and fell in love with in the mm -hmm. terms of, I can use this for hyper casual payments. You know, like if I'm, a, if I'm a content creator and I'm trying to sell a 30 cent, you know, digital good online, 
You can't do that with many blockchains. With BSV, you can. The fees are super low. The speeds are super cheap. So we're like, man, there's so much utility here. Why aren't people, you know, in the mainstream really understanding that, you know, it's not just about investing and hoping the price of this coin goes up. Like the, the price should go up because there should be some utility. Now, obviously, like scarcity plays into that. Right. And you've got 21 million BTCs, but you have the same thing with BCH and BSV. It's 21 million of these coins. So they'll mm. have that scarcity. But then I look at the three of them and I'm like, well, I can't really do anything with this one. I can kind of do stuff with this one, but they're telling all the regulators and governments to, you know, F off. Or you have this one who's wanting to actively work with regulators and I can use it for things and it's scarce. Like to me, it just seemed like that was one that would be worth at least attempting to build something on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we actually, to this point, like we launched the Haste Arcade, uh, January, 2021 was when the very first, you know, game came out. And since then we've built, you know, 14, 15 more games. It has NFTs, it have tokens. And all things that we didn't do any type of like offering for. These are just utility things where, for example, with our token, you play a game. For playing that game, whether you do well or not, you're going to earn tokens that you can redeem, you know, for a prize board. Typical example being an arcade. You get your tickets after you play skee-ball. You go and exchange them for a stuffed animal and you give it to your girlfriend, whatever. So it's like it's, it's similar concepts to things people are already used to in the real world. Mm -hmm. we're trying to demonstrate with blockchain uh, utility. Got it. Got it. Cool. All right. So tell us more about Haste Arcade. What is it? It's nice actually to hear somebody building on a chain that I don't typically hear people building on. So I, I, I like that multi-perspective, which I, I'd love to ask questions later about even how that process has been. But um, so tell us about Haste Arcade. What is it? Uh, and what's, what's, what's the value to people who are interested in, in, in getting in there? Yeah. So what made Haste Arcade interesting, what makes it interesting to, to gamers um, and, you know, blockchain crypto enthusiasts is because of BSV's ability to do micropayments, we are able to split, you know, pennies or dimes into hundreds of outputs and reward people who make leaderboards with those outputs. So the example we always give is this. If you were to go to a traditional arcade, you put your quarter in the Pac-Man machine, you play the game. You know, you get somewhere on that leaderboard, say it's 50 or 100 people long, and you get to like leave your initials. Like I, we all remember doing that when we were in middle school or whatever. But that was it. That was the only real benefit you got, right? Maybe you come back a month later and your initials are still there. Well, with what we did with the arcaders, we said, look, we know that we can split a quarter up now, you know, 100, 500, 1,000 different ways in theory if we want to. What if we just rewarded anyone that got on a leaderboard for these games with subsequent gameplays. So I put my quarter in, I get on the leaderboard, spot one to 100. Anyone that plays after me for as long as I'm on that leaderboard, I'm gonna get a fraction of what it costs them to play. So, you know, it might only be two tenths of a cent, but over the course of a day, you're talking about an online arcade with thousands and thousands of people playing, it actually adds up. So you're allowed to now take like these hyper casual games and give people the ability to play and earn, not necessarily to earn, like they should be playing because the games are fun. But if they're willing to spend 10 cents to, to possibly make a leaderboard, they now can earn from that gameplay. So that's that's what the Haste Arcade, we call it instant leaderboard payouts. That's like the core value proposition that we have. Oh, neat, neat. Okay, so what kind of games are on there? Like it, it, this is just an online arcade, I can go in and, you know, connect my wallet or what is that experience like for the for the user? Yeah, so you you if you want to actually earn the payouts, you do have to connect a wallet. 
Uh, we use, it's, it's called Handcash. It's a really popular Bitcoin SV wallet. But all the games, if you don't want to actually, you know, go through the wallet process, you can play them for free. Uh, we also are building out a way we had it. And then uh, like the credit card processor that we were using suddenly didn't support online gaming. Mm. But basically, you can buy like haste credits. So, you know, buy a dollar worth of credits and you can play these games for free or for a penny or for 10 cents, whatever your spending appetite is. So you can do it either way. We, we've tried to build it so that like, you know, blockchain is just in the background. It's not necessarily why you should be coming to the arcade. We hope the games, I mean, they're hyper casual games right now. We're not necessarily dedicated game developers, at least at the start we weren't. We, we are now. We have some pretty, pretty cool games in, in terms of like a hyper casual environment. But, you know, you're not going to go on here and play like Call of Duty yet. I think, you know, eventually, yeah, it'd be really cool to work with a major company, a major studio like that and say like, hey, I'm playing online. Let's create the headshot leaderboard in Call of Duty. So now, you know, I'm going to play this game anyways. I'll put a 10 cents into this next game and whoever has the most headshots, you know, you just build out a leaderboard mm. and you basically disperse the payments that way. Mm. That's only possible because of blockchain, right? That's the Web3 experience that, that mm. we're pursuing at least. So yeah, that's, that's in essence, you know, like I said, it's supposed to be more about come to the arcade because you like gaming. You now have the ability to possibly earn from those gameplays. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what's it been like building on, on BSV? Uh, get as technical as you want to get uh, because I, I'm so used to interviewing people that are building on Ethereum or one of the Ethereum side chains or rollups or whatever, yeah. or, or Avalanche or Solana or something, a Cosmos ecosystem, et cetera, et cetera. I, yeah. I think you're the first person I've interviewed that is built on BSV. Can you tell us what is that like? I get this question a lot and you know, for whatever reason that is, there's a whole rabbit hole we can go down. But to be honest, our experience with BSV has been fantastic. Mm. Like it has not gone offline. We have not had any issues with the actual blockchain protocol itself. And it allows us to do, and this is, I think a common misconception is that people think that Bitcoin couldn't do tokens or NFTs. It always could. If, if you actually, there's, there's a video in 2014, there's a guy named Craig Wright who goes on with Nick Zabo, who at the time was like the thought leader in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Craig Wright is basically telling Nick Zabo, Bitcoin is touring complete. Nick Zabo was, you know, saying how great he thought Ethereum was doing with all these tokens and this concept of, of smart contracts. And so, you know, on BTC, you don't see the ability to do tokens or NFTs, but BSV, it, it basically restored the original code and protocol of Bitcoin. Mm. And it's amazing. We can do it. So, you know, from our perspective, we've looked at other chains. We're not like dedicated just to BSV, but because of the main factors would be like the unspent transaction output model versus like an account based model. So that's kind of the biggest difference between us on BSV and, and an Ethereum account would be that, you know, that's the only way our leaderboard payouts would work. Obviously, mm -hmm. like, you know, we're, we're taking one transaction splitting it a hundred ways in theory, we could go a thousand, you know, if we wanted to, we don't have enough users to really facilitate that yet, but basically we can do that on BSV. And we talked to the Solana developers because they, they do have, you know, really fast transaction speeds, really cheap costs, but again, they're not the UTXO model, which for us is the only way that these would actually work where you take one transaction in and can get a hundred outputs from that transaction without having to sign every single one. So mm -hmm. that's that's really, you know, kind of the determining factor for now. Uh, I do think, and I, and I hope in the future, there are other blockchains that are able to facilitate like that type of model because that is what makes the instant leaderboard payouts possible. Uh, but for now, like BSV is the only, the only chain we've seen and we haven't had any issues with it.
So what's your marketing strategy been like besides getting on podcasts like this, right? Getting the word out. But what, what, how have you found, because there's so much noise out there, it's hard for people to become aware and get, get in the, the whole attention economy. But just because I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs and, and investors listening in, like how did you, how are you marketing uh, Haste Arcade? I mean, I, I think you bring up a great point, right? Like, and I'll ask you, when was the last time you were scrolling through Instagram and saw, you know, an ad for a company that was not an exchange or, you know, an NFT drop, but that was actually using blockchain to build a product, something that you would go and click on? Like mm. me personally, I've never seen that. Mm. So part of what we wanted to do was say, hey, look, you know, here's the arcade, here's the games we've got. Let's get outside of the crypto market. Let's get outside of crypto Twitter and just run, you know, your traditional paid social media advertising. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Google ads are actually where we've seen the most success. But that's what we've been doing. We've just been, you know, promoting to people whose keyword search, arcade games, retro games, hyper casual games, flappy birds, whatever it is, that type of demographic, which you look at the, the gaming industry one out of every three people on the planet considers themselves a casual gamer. That's 3 billion people. Like it's a huge market. So we've just been pumping out, you know, these paid social media ads. And what we've seen, at least from, from the research that we've done is that this concept of play and earn instant leaderboard payouts is something that people are extremely interested in. And so the, the statistic I'll give you is that, you know, right now on Google, we're paying three cents per click. You look up hyper casual games traditionally, what you know a typical ad pay per click would be, it's in the 50 to 60 cent range. So we're extremely low when you're comparing it to what other things are doing or what other you know previous hyper casual type games have tried in terms of marketing. You then look at like actually turning that click into a customer, it's closer 80 cents to a dollar. But again, you look up traditionally what that cost is, and you're looking at more like a dollar fifty to a dollar eighty cents. So again coming in significantly lower than what, you know, typically things have been in, in the, uh, the hyper casual gaming space. So that's what we've been doing. We've done a couple other things too. Like we're partnered with an esports company right now called built by gamers. Mm. So they have, you know, their call of duty, uh, Valorant, Fortnite teams, they'll play in these tournaments. They'll go on Twitch and live stream. And whenever we release a new game, like tomorrow, we're releasing a game called monster bombs. Uh, their, their streamers, you know, they'll pick some of them who they think has like a good demographic for that game. They'll go on and say, hey, you know, after this, this stream is over, you can come play with or against me, you know, in the Haste Arcade. And guess what? If you get on a leaderboard for this game, you're actually going to earn, you know, from everyone else that plays after you. So those guys, they get about 30 million views per month on their, you know, collective channels. And what we've seen with them is actually pretty incredible. They're converting about 38 to 40 percent of the people that will watch those streams into actually like create accounts and go and play. Mm. They say that, you know, on their other typical campaigns where they'll do some type of co-marketing, it's usually closer to like five to 10% conversion rate. So we, that, those are the two main, you know, strategies that we've been taking is the paid social ads and the partnerships with the esports. And I think so far we're seeing really, really positive results. That's cool. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing. It's, it's always interesting how, how different entrepreneurs are approaching that in different entrepreneurial teams. So how, if let's if we just step back in Web three for a moment, how are you thinking about the future of this space? Like philosophically, what 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 are you excited about? What are the questions in Web three that you're that you're most interested in? 
it, it kind of goes why we built haste, but mm -hmm. I, I'm most excited about the potential for micropayments. And I don't think people yet have have grasped how powerful that is and what mm -hmm. that can actually do to empower both like the individual consumer and the content creators themselves. And so the example I'll give is, you know, my dad sends me these New York Times articles all the time. I don't have a New York Times account. I'll start reading. I get, you know, one paragraph in and then boom, I get the pop-up. It's like, hey, $14.99 a month. Like, no, I don't read it enough to do that. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just, if I could spend 25 cents or 50 cents to actually read that article, I would. And that is a micropayment. And the reason that we don't have that system right now goes back to like what we had to learn about credit card processing rates. You have interchange, which is basically the lowest amount that you can process a transaction on, you know, the Visa network, which is basically the current gold standard. And that interchange rate is going to be a percentage of the transaction, which can't really go lower than like, you know, one to one and a half percent, plus a fixed fee, which is anywhere between 15 cents to 30 cents. So, like I said, if you're selling a 25 cent good or you're trying to play a 25 cent game, you can't swipe credit card for that. Like the fees, it's it. You have no profit margin. But with micropayments, you can do these things. And so the example, you know, I just gave the New York Times thing, but if you're the writer of that article, right, and this person doesn't end up signing up for that monthly subscription, but they would have paid 25 cents. I mean, how many people are there that are probably like me? Like how much revenue is being lost mm. by that content creator because they can't monetize, you know, basically in real time, very, very small amounts. So when I think of Web3, I think it works the other way too. Like Here's another example I give. You're driving in a car five years from now. Elon has us all in our self-driving cars. The lights are all on a certain blockchain. They're all communicating with the cars. Micropayments are flowing back and forth through you know, the, the, the red light. In my car, there's nobody else stopped at this stop sign or this red light. I'm going to send it 10 cents. The light's going to turn green, and now I'm going through. Or we're on the freeway. You're in front of me. And it's like, you know what? I've got to hurry. i got to get where I'm going. Uh, Will has set a price where if someone wants to pass my car, it costs 30 cents. So boom, I'm going to pay you 30 cents. You just made money for something you're already doing. And that's what I think micropayments enables in, in the greater scheme when you know blockchain is actually adopted. So in terms of what I'm most excited for on Web3, it's the implementation of micropayments and the removal of you know these major companies monetizing through customer data. And I don't think a lot of people understand like how valuable their data is. Like people go on Instagram when they're scrolling for free, or at least they think it's free. How then is Instagram, you know, a multi-billion dollar company? Like what product are they selling? And, and the truth is like, we are the product. We are what they're selling to these advertisers. So me personally, I'm, I'm kind of like a data and privacy freak. Like I, I really hate having to create all these different accounts and all these different things, knowing my email address, my phone number and all that. So I would gladly pay, you know, a tenth of a cent every time I opened up Instagram and I'm scrolling through, as opposed to having them, you know, take my email address, take all my search history, bundle me up into, you know, this digital profile and then sell that information. That's, that's why I'm so, you know, fired up about the potential for micropayments. That's great. That's great. Okay. So baseball player turned entrepreneur with, with bar pay and Haste Arcade. What lesson, a lot of entrepreneurs listening in, uh, what lessons have you just learned from this, especially if you've had to learn Web3 and kind of learned these different markets and you clearly are, are well-versed in the space? Like, how did you do that? What advice do you have for people that are just trying to be entrepreneurs and trying to keep up with, let's just say, Web3? I think persistence, um, especially with 
Web3. Like we are still so early mm. in terms of what I think is going to happen with, with Web3 and blockchain in general. Mm-hmm. If you're an entrepreneur in the space and we, we, you know, I was just on a call with the rest of the Haste team basically talking about, hey, what's our runway? Are we going to have to raise money anytime soon? Like what are our revenues look like? And the truth is, you know, it's going to take a long time before, you know, users are comfortable in general with these wallets. Like I think MetaMask right now is probably the biggest, you know, wallet in terms of actually like people using it and spending stuff online uh, from the, the blockchain perspective. But it's like, there's still so far to go. There's so few products that have actually created real value and real reason for people to even want to have a wallet at this point. Right. So I think if you're going to be an entrepreneur in this space, more so even than, you know, the traditional web to SaaS business model, you really got to be ready and, and, you know, understand that you could be looking at three to five years before there is any type of product market fit mm. and raising money in the traditional aspect where it's like, oh yeah, you know, we'll take on a seed round of 2 million bucks. It'll give us a 24 month runway. We should be, you know, profitable or at least generate significant runway or uh, revenue by the end of that 24 months. It's just not going to be the same. I don't think you can compare them compared to like, you know, okay, well, now I'm trying to build a business model off of making a tenth of a cent as opposed to, you know, $9.99 a month from each customer. So I think the the, the persistence is going to be key and really understanding that there is no quote unquote experts yet in, in this field, at least in my opinion. I think everyone is still learning. We haven't seen other than an exchange, you know, an actual product take off and have global adoption. And until that starts to happen more and more, until there's more products in general, you're just going to have to, you know, figure out how do we survive? Am I really passionate about what I'm doing? And if so, you know, can I go three months without taking any type of salary or anything just because mm-hmm. the company needs to survive? That's, that's, I think the biggest piece of advice I'd give. That's really good. That's really good. Okay. So if people wanted to go play uh, in the arcade, they could just do it from their computer or, right. It's just, is it in a web browser or what's what, or through the apps or what's, what's, how, how can they find it? Yeah, it's, it's a website, uh, hastearcade.com. You can play it mobile. The games are all, you know, built for mobile or computer. I will say like, I think it, they're probably better at this point on the computer. That's mm-hmm. definitely one of the things we want to do moving forward is make the games a little bit more mobile friendly, but yeah, just hastearcade.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then if people have feedback or they want to get a hold of you to continue the conversation, is it social media or what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, I'm, I'm not huge on social media. I actually don't have a Twitter, but uh, Haste Arcade does. And we are very active. And Great. Dan's really good about, you know, answering DMs and stuff like that. Awesome. So you can either go Haste Arcade at Haste Arcade is our Twitter handle. Uh, our Discord channel, Haste Arcade, we're really active in there as well. Oh, sweet. Or there's there's a way to reach out, you know, through our website, hello at hastearcade.com. Uh, any of those, any of those would be just fine in terms of getting in touch with me. Love it. Love it. Cool. Joe, well, this has been insightful. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Will. All right, a couple quick things before you go. Number one, I have a general newsletter where I write about technology and startups and health science and teaching people to code. And I write about a variety of different subjects that we talk about on this show. So if you go to wclittle.com, there you'll be able to subscribe. And you'll also be able to subscribe to particular topics. If you're just interested in one or a few of them, you'll be notified right when I publish new content in those areas. 
Number two, my partners and I at Proto Ventures have a portfolio company called Startup Rocket. If you go to startuprocket.com, there you'll be able to receive coaching guides and customize an operations framework for you and your team and your advisors to be on the same page in terms of what is the appropriate next step for you and your entrepreneurial journey. And finally, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review anywhere that you have listened to this podcast or watched this podcast, it'd be super helpful to help those who might be interested in consuming this content as well. Thank you.